So far, I've talked to you about some major concepts, truth, forgiveness, boundaries, and these are really great concepts to work on. But the thing about big things is they aren't what affect our daily lives. Our daily lives are affected by small things. If you look at caves, how are stalactites and stalagmites produced? They are produced through drips of water, not raging torrent flooding rivers. So when we are in crisis, everyone rallies around us and helps us through the big crisis. But as our lives drip, drip, drip down the pathway, people don't rally around for the drips. And so you have to start learning how to take care of the smaller issues in your life so that they don't have to build into the bigger issues. So today we are going to address some of those smaller issues that lead into uh, uh, more of the bigger issues that we will talk about at a later time. So I would like to start with perfection. All right. You would not believe how many people I have come into my office thinking that if they're not doing it perfect, they are horrible people. Now, when I say you would not believe that, you just said, well, I'm one of those people, Mandy. I believe that if I'm not doing it perfectly, then I am horrible. Why do we believe this? We believe this for a few reasons. One, we believe this because we have been taught that the negative is bad or wrong. And so if we dare say anything negative, then we are bad or wrong. And if we dare have those negative thoughts or those negative inclinations, then we are doing it wrong. And so we always have to be positive and upbeat and looking at the bright side of life. I laugh a lot. So people think I'm an optimist. I am not an optimist, nor am I a pessimist. I am a realist. I look at the reality and I deal with the reality as it is. I laugh because sometimes I don't want to cry, so it's easier to laugh. It doesn't make me an optimist. Now, if you're looking at what I'm saying and you're saying, okay, but I was always told don't get angry or don't be judgmental or don't put other people down. Don't say it if it's going to hurt somebody's feelings or, you know, we've all grown up with whatever the catchphrase is of our day. And so we have been groomed, taught, uh, culturally expected to rid our lives of all negative a lot of times people believe that the negative is weakness. Okay, for all of you science geeks out there and all of you who are like me and just know about science and don't geek out about it, I'm gonna tell you something about the elements. If you take out the negative part of the elements, you have a positive and a positive and a bad reaction. Every element out there has neurons and protons and electrons. Now, the, that's the science geeky. You can figure that out for yourself, but we're more interested in the neurons and the pro protons, which are the negatives and the positives of each element. When you start messing with trying to take out any of the neurons, you mess up the element. Sometimes you create a 
an explosion or an implosion or a catalyst reaction that you can't come back from. So is it really healthy to make sure that all the negative is gone? And is it really what we consider to be negative? For example, is it bad? Is it wrong? No, it isn't. It's simply the other side of the spectrum and it is necessary. Okay, so perfection. What is perfection? That's an important place to start. Perfection is unattainable. It is not ever going to happen in this life, on this earth, in your existence. There is nothing absolutely perfect. Perfect means zero wrong. It cannot be affected by anything bad. It cannot change for anything bad. Perfection is unattainable. So when people come in and say, I have to be perfect, like, well, you're wound up really tight and you're ready to blow. And they're like, well, yes, I am. And I say, and you don't like yourself. And they burst into tears because that's not being perfect. So my really good friend, she said, well, Mandy, then what do you call it? What do you do with it? How do you talk to people about it? I call it negative perfection. Now, let me explain that. Because how can you have a negative positive? Well, perfection is unattainable. So you're looking at the unattainable, expecting yourself to attain it. And when you don't attain it, which is it always inevitable, then you go and you beat yourself up over the fact that you did not attain the unattainable. Negative perfection. So we have a bunch of people who are trying to go around building their sense of self and their authenticity on negative perfection. That does not work. We need to be realists. We need to start looking at ourselves in the truth that I was talking about. We need to actually have boundaries, not just with everybody else, but with ourselves too, and understand with the truth that we cannot become certain things. And then we need to be willing to forgive ourselves in order to move forward and become the best healthy person that we can be, to meet our true purpose and be completely, truly, sincerely authentic with ourselves. Okay, so if we're not supposed to be striving for perfection, then what the heck are we supposed to be striving for, right? All right. I don't know how many of you guys go bike riding. I'm talking about the old-fashioned pedal bike. Uh, I do. I like to mountain bike. I also like to road bike. So you're looking at one of these bike wheels. Now, if you look at the bike wheel and you look at the center part of it, that is you. I consider that to be you. Then you look at the spokes that come around and hold up the rim of the bike. And I consider the rim to be your life. Now, if all of the spokes are straight and working, supporting each other, helping each other, then your wheel moves pretty slowly and you get a good ride. Okay, let's say one spoke tends to bend. What's going to happen? Well, that spoke's a lot weaker and the spokes around it are going to have to support it. And so your ride becomes a little bit more bumpy. 
Okay, now let's say that that spoke falls out because you didn't do anything about the fact that it was bent. And all of a sudden, the spokes around that spoke, they bend too, and they weaken, and they start falling out. Pretty soon, here's your bike ride. Do you wonder why your life is tiring? Because you're trying to make a kakunk go smoothly. It won't. It won't ever. The only way you're going to make your bicycle tire go smoothly is if it is balanced. Not perfect, balanced. So that is what we are working towards attaining is true healthy balance in our lives. Now, when we get more into balance, I believe that there are nine spokes that are required in our lives for sufficient healthy balance in our lives. But we'll talk about that in a later podcast. So when you are looking at achieving balance, there are a couple of factors that you need to consider. The first factor that you need to consider is priorities because you cannot achieve balance without priorities. Now, here again, we have to look at what the definition of a priority is. I often ask my clients, what do you think is a priority? And they say, well, it's something that's more important than anything else. Okay, sort of, but it misses the mark. So, My husband is always my priority, unless he's not. My kids are always my priority, unless they aren't. I am always my priority, because I have to be. Now, if I have just confused you and your brain starts hurting, good, I like to do that, makes you think. (laughs) Let me try to clarify, okay? So my clients know that if my husband texts me or calls me in the middle of a session, I will always take that text or call because he is always my priority. But I said, unless he's not, okay? Well, if I'm doing another activity that I can't drop because he's texting or calling, then he can't be my priority, can he? I will give you an example of that. Last year, I was taking my daughter sailboating and she was trying out her new sailboat and the lake was a little bit too shallow and she capsized the sailboat, but it turtled, meaning it went all the way upside down and the mast got stuck in the mud. This resulted in a, ultimately a search and rescue situation uh, with my daughter and I and I had to put all of my attention, all of it, on getting my daughter safe. So if my husband had tried at all during that time to text or call, I was not answering that. He was not the priority because it wasn't his turn to be the priority. So when my girls are my priority, they are, unless they're not. A few years ago, My one daughter was going to college. She was going to an in-state college and it was about two hours away from where we lived. 
So not a far, far drive, but I had tickets to a concert that she really wanted to see. And I went and I picked her up because she had classes and tests and I drove her so that we could go see the concert. And then she had a test the next day. So I drove her back. And then there was an audition for a musical that she wanted to do. And the musical was in the summer, and so it was by our house. So I went and I picked her up the next day, and I drove her back home so that she could do the audition that night. And I drove her back to school because she had classes and tests the next day. Well, she got a call back. So guess what I got to do? I got to go pick her up and go drive her home for the call back and then go. I was driving back and forth this stupid route 10 times that week because because my daughter was my priority <sighs> or she's not because if I have to take my husband somewhere to make sure that he gets what he needs then I'm not going to be running my daughter back and forth and back and forth and back and forth from school so this is what I mean when I say they are my priority until they're not okay so then how can I be my own priority well this one actually is the most important one, which is why I saved it for the end of it. And I'm hoping that as I'm talking, you're kind of forming a better definition in your mind about what a priority actually is than what you previously thought. Because most people think that a priority is what's most important now. And yeah, I know, I said that a little bit, but that's not what a priority is. That's how you deal with things. You deal with things on the level of what's most important now. But I didn't say that when the boat was capsized, my husband was no longer my priority. He just wasn't the one that I was dealing with in the moment. And when I was dealing with my husband, it wasn't that my kids were no longer my priority. I just wasn't dealing with them in the moment. So here's the confusion with the priorities. People think that you can list your priorities on levels of importance and that's how you deal with things. But then you start giving to the wrong thing way too frequently. So if I am my priority, which I need to be my main priority, then I said something very different on that front. I did not say until I'm not, because I always have to be my main priority. I cannot help anybody else if I am not. Most of you have flown before, you know, in the airplane, and they're giving you the little safety spill, buckle your seatbelts, here are the emergency exits. And if the cabin were to lose pressure, the masks will fall down. And they tell you to put the mask on yourself before anybody else. Even mothers of small children. And they make sure to make that distinction. Because if you are passed out unconscious on the floor, who are you helping? Nobody. And your small child that you're trying to save is sitting there, not able to put the mask on, not able to breathe, and passes out beside you. So this is the bigger problem with mothers, is that they think that they have to put everybody else first in order to be a good, perfect mother. And we get mothers who are burned out, mothers who hate 
their families, hate their kids, hate their lives, hate themselves. These are not effectual mothers, okay? So when you are looking at making yourself a priority, I have my clients picture this in their head. Where's your mask? Are you wearing it or are you putting it on everybody else? I always make sure that my mask is on first and then I go and take care of everybody else. Now, I have learned how to breathe a couple of really deep breaths in my imaginary mask and be able to help a lot of people for a long period of time before I have to take more breaths. But you still have to breathe into your mask before you can help anybody. You cannot give what you do not have. When I say this to my clients, I always follow up with, give me a Snickers bar. Come on, give me a Snickers bar. Come on. Hey, you know what? I have got like 200 people out there listening to me not giving me Snickers bars. What is up with that? Well, Mandy, there's no way we can get it to you. Or I don't have a Snickers bar right at this moment or blah, 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 blah. Right. You can't give what you don't have. So you're sitting here thinking that you're making everybody else a priority when you're not making yourself one. How does that work? You cannot hand out Snickers bars if you don't have any. So you have to be your first and ultimate priority so that you can do these other things to help everybody else. That is why that is such an important key to living a balanced life. Most people will come back with it's being selfish, prideful, arrogant. No, it isn't. Being selfish, prideful, and arrogant are all based in being insecure and not liking yourself, not making yourself a priority. When you are healthy and you make yourself a priority, you have a lot more to give to a lot more people. And as human beings, our basic humanity wants to give to others. And so we just naturally do it when we have it. Okay, so after I've talked about this in all of these different ways, what actually is a priority? A priority is what is important to you. Not what is most important to you, but what is important to you. So you need to look at what is important to you. And it can change in your lifetime. When I was single, obviously my husband was not going to be my priority. He wasn't there. So my priority was other things that I was involved in and other people that I was dealing with. I didn't have kids right off the bat, so I couldn't make my priority my kids before my husband because I didn't have them. So your priorities can change in accordance with where you are in your life pathway. But the way that you figure out priorities does not. What is important to you? Not what level is it on? Because if I had to tell you who was more important to me, me or my husband, I couldn't tell you that. We are both equally important to me. So it's not a gradation of importance. It's a simple importance. That's it. And that's why priorities get to be so confusing because you think you have to place someone or something above someone or something else when you think of them the same. So now that we've got our priorities and we have an idea of 
how we need to meet those demands of our priorities, how does that lead us into being more balanced? Okay, so it is now time for me to introduce you to my what does it matter scale. Now, a couple of years ago, there was a word that everybody loved to use to describe everything. The word was epic. All right. Epic, by definition, means a once in a lifetime major event. So going to prom is not epic. Passing a test is not epic. Hanging with your friends is not epic. Finding a dress that you love is not epic. I got so tired of everything being epic because here's the deal. If everything's epic, nothing is epic. So what was actually happening was nothing was a major event. Everything was on the same playing field. That doesn't work because everything is never on the same playing field. Now, I know I said, but your priorities can be. Yes, they can. But you don't act the same way towards them. They're not all epic. I would not consider my kids epic. Sorry. And they know that. They take no offense. So when I have clients come to me and they are getting upset about stuff in their life or they don't know how to deal with stuff in their life, I introduce them to my what does it matter scale. On a scale of one to 10, what does it matter? Now I ask them, I can't ask them now and get a response, but I'll ask you and let you think about it. Where would you think something would be important between the one and the 10? And I usually get, well, I would say it's about important until it's like a five. I'm like, no, it isn't important. It doesn't really, really matter until it's actually an eight. An eight to a 10 matters. A one to a seven does not. Here's an example. If somebody you love dies, where would you put that on the scale? I would probably put that on the scale of a nine or a 10. So it matters a lot and you need to deal with that. Okay, but if you got a 10 out of 50 on your spelling test, where is that a 10? Because, you know, your life is over. It's tragic. You cannot move forward. It is not on the same level as somebody dying. Do you get that? So if it is between a one and a seven, yeah, at varying degrees, you need to deal with it, but not on an epic level. Because if everything's a 10, nothing's a 10. Now, let me give you a couple of examples about this. I had this uh, young boy that I was seeing, and he was telling me that he was being bullied in school. Now, I take that very seriously. And so I was asking him for details about it. And he said, well, there's this kid who's always calling out names and, and he's always picking on me. And I said, well, at recess? And he said, no. Said, well, is he in the class with you? Well, no. Like, okay, then when is he calling you these names? Well, like when he's walking down the hall. Said he, so he's walking down the hall shouting obscenities, and you think it's directed at you. 
And he said, well, yeah. I said, okay, it isn't. If somebody else were standing there, it would be, he'd still be walking down the hall yelling obscenities. He's not directing at you. So it isn't personal. This boy was trying to make it an eight, nine, ten, when it was barely a one. The boy just liked to yell names and obscenities. He didn't really care where they landed. So I also had this other client where I made her implement my what does it matter scale. And she came back after a couple of weeks and I said, how's that working? And she said, I hate it. Okay, why? Because it was a two, but I wanted it to be a (laughs) ten. Like, yeah, that's frustrating, huh? (laughs) But you can see it was only a two. I know, but I wanted it to be a ten. I get it, but it wasn't. So when you start dealing with your life where it should be dealt with, you can see that your priorities can fit a lot better and you can achieve balance. But if everything's a 10, where are your priorities and there is no such thing as balance? So this scale of, on a scale of one to 10, what does it matter? Try to implement it. Try to look at something. If you are really stressed about it, if you are really worrying about it, look at it and say, where would I actually put this on the scale? Most often it's below a seven. Now, when my daughter was very, very young, she hit the back of her head and cracked her skull. I'll call that an eight, nine. I had to take care of that, right? But... My other daughter was playing and she fell down and she looked at me because she was on the ground. I'm like, you're fine. Stand up, go play. Because there was no blood. She hadn't hit anything really. And we're going to fall down. It's a one. You see how you have to gauge reality in truth or you are never going to achieve balance. So I know it's frustrating. But give the scale a try. Just try it. Just see where you tend to put things and where they actually belong. And when you figure that out, then you can make room in your life for figuring out what is important to you, what your priorities can be. And then you can move towards achieving balance.